Ladies and gentlemen. Ali, a sneaky right hand. Another sneaky right hand. This time he works over the shoulder for me. T.C. Martin Show live from the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Glad to have you with us wherever you may be uh, here at the Sportsbook powered by William Hill. Today, we've got to talk football, and there's a lot going on, obviously, in the NFL. Bowl games underway as well, too, so we'll hit all that. Special guests in the house today as well. Moreland Greenwood is going to join us next hour, the former NFL linebacker. Played with uh, Miami and Houston and also a former Raider. And he is the NFL director of the uh, Alumni Association here in Las Vegas. So he will join us next hour. And then, of course, our best bet segment coming your way. Marco D'Angelo in the house from Wager Talk as well as Trevor Maddich from ESPN. But we're kicking the show off today with our very good friend, the former two-time it's gonna it's gonna take some time for me to say former with this guy two-time welterweight champion (laughs) of the world was just in action four weeks ago here in las vegas the mandalay bay in definitely one of the biggest fights that we've had this year showtime sean porter in the house he battled terrence crawford four weeks ago and after the fight, Showtime Sean Porter announced his retirement. So this is the first time that I have seen you. Yeah. One of your 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 it's, first public appearances, right? Y- yeah. I was Since like being retired. I was been I've been waiting for three weeks. I'm like, dang, TC ain't gonna call. <laughs> That's not even true. The fight man. didn't go the way he expected it to, so he's not gonna call. Oh. <laughs> I'm uh, great, man. Uh, still busy, and uh, re- retirement doesn't feel like retirement because mm. i'm still busy mm. still working out <laughs> you know life hasn't changed much that was the first thing i was going to ask you yeah. how have the last four weeks been yeah. and how have your days been different than they were before you know what my days are different because i think my wife expects me to all the responsibilities now mine oh you got the honeydew list yeah so all the responsibilities double v and i know all about now that. mine yeah <laughs> camp camp life is over right. <laughs> you know and, and the fight's over so um you know i'm i'm, I'm mostly with the family mm-hmm. and then i uh, got a lot of other ventures mm-hmm. that um that i'm into and i'm exploring and and things of that nature so i mean i think by now everyone should know but or should have known that 
I've always been more than a fighter. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, now it's just time to do, you know, everything else I've wanted to do. Mm-hmm. All right. We got a lot to talk about today. Um, Showtime Sean Porter is in the house. Uh, we'll we'll talk about the retirement. We'll talk about his last fight, uh, the adventures that he's got uh, coming up here today. Double B Brian Benowitz in the house with us, of course, on a Friday here at the Cosmopolitan. Double B looking good, sporting the the blue. Now you know Showtime Sean P's an Ohio State guy. I mean, what are you trying to start here? No, he, he's a Cleveland guy. He's he's already said go. he's not really much of the college. That's a good guys. point. There you go. Yeah, there yeah, you go. There you go. I would I would never show up in like a Pittsburgh or a Ravens outfit. Yeah, never. Yeah, never. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So we're going to talk to the, about the Browns, but uh, obviously breaking news here. We need to start the show off with this: that the NFL has rescheduled three games for this weekend, and uh, the foremost here in Las Vegas, even though the game is not here, it's in Cleveland. And uh, I don't know if Showtime Sean Porter was planning on, on being there, uh-uh. but this game got moved. <laughs> it was supposed to be tomorrow. The Raiders and the Browns, the game, because of the, the all of the COVID situations that's going on with the Cleveland Browns, they moved the game till Monday. It'll be an afternoon start here at 2 p.m., so 5 o'clock back in Cleveland. Raiders and Cleveland game moved from tomorrow at 1.30 to Monday at 2 p.m., they're not the only game that's affected. The Seattle Seahawks and the L.A. Rams moved till Tuesday. And the Washington football team at Philadelphia moved to Tuesday as well. All of those teams hit heavily by uh, more COVID cases. The Rams are at 25. Washington is, is about 25, 26. And mm-hmm. the Cleveland Browns, as we know, as of before we went on the air 42. today, uh, <laughs> 18 is what I have, but who who really knows? So, uh, yeah, uh, the COVID situation, like we talk about all the time, is a fluid situation, and uh, we were hoping we would not be here, and we had be, been going pretty smoothly up until this past week. And uh, here we go, Brian, we're here. Well, you noticed that uh, in Montreal last night, TC, uh, the, the Canadians went without fans. Right. Mm. Uh, which, was, which was quite shocking to see. Uh, especially after being back at, at T-Mobile and to see the excitement that we were in just a few months ago, to see nobody in the building again was 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 disheartening. Yeah, yeah. The NHL's been affected. The NBA, Chicago Bulls had two games postponed because the NBA has a rule where you have to have at least eight players, and the Bulls couldn't do that. They only had seven. We saw the Brooklyn Nets the other night. They fielded a, a team with eight, went overtime, and ended up winning the game. But all sports are affected with this. But, uh, you know, we know how the NFL is king. And, uh, you know, now, uh, you know, games are, are, are being effective. So the good news is the games have not been, uh, you know, canceled or forfeited. Because remember, the NFL said going back to this summer, we're not going to be dealing with postponements here. And now all of a sudden we've got three postponements. But there are, there are teams like the Raiders who are saying, we think the Browns should forfeit. So that is out there as well now. And it's your first 17-game season, too. Yeah. So, I mean, you're prolonging the season. I, I, I'm a Browns fan, and I get it. Yep. But when you're looking at a, a team not having 18 of their players, probably half of which are key players on the team. Half of them are starters, yeah. You, you have to make a decision. I, I personally believe that postponing the game is the fair decision. However, when you're looking at a 17-game season for the first time, you gotta. I think that should have been considered as well. So, 
Yeah, it's a fluid thing, TC. Um, things have changed. Uh, there's new variants in the mix and uh, uh, things that are, you know, uh, kind of getting past your, your initial two uh, vaccinations. So uh, uh, they need to get out there and get everybody boosted, and hopefully that'll help out. Uh, but it's a, it's a thing where they have to change, and they have to be aware of public safety. And, uh, you know, the main thing, you want to make sure that these athletes are okay. Uh, some of these people get this long COVID, and it's awfully hard to get out of it. So uh, the main thing is to take the precautions and make sure the athletes and the people that are enjoying the games are okay. Right. Uh, even here in Las Vegas, uh, our UCLA Bruins uh, just canceled the game against North Carolina tomorrow. And that's, yeah. uh, that's a bummer for a lot of people who I know were coming out for the game, both from North Carolina and from L.A. So uh, uh, I wasn't going to be able to go to it. But, right. Uh, uh, it's a very disappointing thing for people to have, especially when you plan a lot of that stuff. Yeah, well, this all started with Ohio State because it's they had the doubleheader, that uh, the CBS Sports Classic, nationally televised on CBS. The first game at noon was supposed to be UCLA and North Carolina, followed by Kentucky and Ohio State. So the Ohio State Buckeyes have the COVID issues, so they didn't make the trip. So uh, Kentucky was sitting there going, wait a minute, we're, we're, we're coming, we're here, mm-hmm. we want to play. Mm-hmm. And then UCLA actually, because of... COVID precautions. Mm-hmm. We talked to Tracy Murray on the show yesterday, yeah. who uh, does the you know the former UCLA Bruin uh, had said that uh, they believe that Mick Corona and their head coach had it, but uh, so they canceled their game against Alabama State a couple mm-hmm. nights ago to get everybody tested, and uh, then the announcement comes today that UCLA is not going to play. So luckily, North Carolina is still making the trip, Kentucky. So instead of a doubleheader, at least. The North Carolina and Kentucky are going to play. Not a bad matchup at T-Mobile Arena tomorrow afternoon. Oh, that is good. I did, I did not realize that that had occurred. But yeah. the, uh, the Alabama State one was interesting because yeah. I looked at it. They were favored by 35. I'm like, right. perfect. Game's getting ready to start. I turned on. <laughs> they must have stopped it like minutes before the game started. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, I got news, I think it was like about an hour ahead of time that, that the, the game wasn't going to happen because I talked to Tracy earlier in the day, and he goes, hey, I can't come on today. we got a game tonight. You know, I'll, I'll come on the day after or whatever. Yeah. I was like, I go, what happened here? <laughs> So, yeah, it, like you said, fluid situation. So we'll continue to update everyone uh, regarding uh, the events that are going on. we got bowl games to talk about. We'll talk more about the NFL schedule, and uh, we'll dive into the Raiders and the Browns here a little bit later. But, again, Showtime Sean Porter in the house, and, uh, you know, I want to spend some time, obviously, uh, with him. Sean, I never uh, – I shouldn't say never. That's, that's, that's totally wrong. But all the time that we've known each other with you, you know, fighting here – and, uh, you know, having big-time fights. We knew that the, the retirement was going to come at some point in time, but uh, I, I don't think anybody knew that it was going to be coming this quickly yeah. after your fight, except you, yeah. because as you said, after the fight. So if you can, um, talk to us about how you came to this decision. Um, the long story short is I really just analyzed everything I was doing, had done in, 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 in the sport, and what more was there for me to do? And, you know, when I when I looked at that question, the answer was, well, you, you, you've already fought Nero Spence Jr., who was regarded as the guy in the welterweight division, now going up against Terrence Crawford being the guy. There's, there's nothing more for you to do. You can obviously move up to 154 or still try to, you know, fight at 147. And I just... You know, like I said when we started this 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 show, I, I'm, I'm more than an athlete, more than a fighter, and I've really just been itching to do more things with my life. And I feel that, you know, I've done practically everything that I wanted to do in the sport of boxing. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, moving up and 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 capturing multiple titles and multiple weight classes has never been a plan of mine. I I feel like that was a thing that really. Once Manny did it, I think that people really started to, fighters started to look at that and see, make that a goal of theirs. Never been a goal of mine, you know. Mm-hmm. So 
once I looked at, you know, basically uh, conquering the, the welterweight division without having beat everyone, mm. there's, to me, there's nothing more for me to do. Mm. Move on, live the rest of your life, and have fun. Mm. You had said that you had made up your mind before the Crawford fight four weeks ago, that yeah. even if you won that fight and they wanted a rematch, or either way, that you weren't going to do it. So you you yeah. knew when you made that ring walk at Mandalay Bay four weeks ago that that was it for you. Oh, yeah. I knew that was it. When I made the ring walk, I, I treated everything the same. Uh, pretty much kept my mouth closed. To, you keep a great secret, by the way. I kept my mouth closed to practically everyone except for my wife. Uh-huh. And she's she's known for years right. where, where, you know, where we were going with this. And, um, you know, even everything, the, the locker room, no one essentially knew what it was coming and the reason why i did that was because i didn't want anyone's energy to change at all and i i I felt like uh that was the only way that i could keep it fair to myself and fair to everyone else who was involved was that if everyone understood like hey this is just another night we need to add any more or less energy or pressure to this let's go out there and do everything we need to do and i felt like you know even in in the losing the fight we i meet myself I did everything that I felt, I felt that I could do mm. to the point of, of the stoppage. Mm. Let's talk a little bit about that, too, with the stoppage. So it's a great fight. Um, you're winning rounds. You're right there. And then here comes the 10th round. Uh, unfortunately, you go down twice. Yeah. Um, it looked like you had shaked off, shook off both of those knockdowns. And I saw the frustration when you were pounding the canvas because – you know, I don't know, and I know we talked briefly after the after the fight, the press mm-hmm. conference, that it was like, I didn't know if you had that flashback with Earl Spence Jr. because it was that 10th round where it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe yeah. I went down. <laughs> and then you finished strong because, like we've talked about so many times, if you stand up in that fight, you probably defeat Earl Spence yeah. Jr. Yeah. In that point in time, how shook were you in that 10th round? And I got to ask you the question, could you have continued? Um, I think the first knockdown was more of what they call a flash knockdown. Right. It wasn't I wasn't necessarily hurt. It was just kind of like my legs kind of buckled for a second and I went down, but that second one it was like it was, the frustration really came over me because I was getting hit multiple times and I and 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 I had the thoughts of move your head. You're getting hit, you know, what what, what are you doing and then boom, I go down and it's like you you're better than this, right. you know, and I just let I had a human moment. In a moment where you can't be human in the boxing ring, and uh, you know I let it get the best of me. I think from the outside looking in, my dad, uh, my dad saw danger, and uh, he he chose to to wave the, the uh, uh, to wave the fight off at that point. Getting up, I felt I felt fine. I think that um, I was not really in the right frame of mind, mm-hmm. and I do know that if the fight had continued, I don't know how how much longer we had, but. Um, the frame of mind that I was in was not a, a mindset that would keep me from getting hurt. Mm-hmm. It was it was a mindset that was gonna was gonna the, the damage that was being done more than likely would continue. And so in that respect, I do appreciate my dad throwing in the towel. Was that mindset at that moment the tenth round, or was that mindset creeping into you earlier before the fight? You know what that mindset was. In the tenth round. Yeah. Because it, 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 I mean, you looked fantastic. Yeah. Up until that point in time. Yeah. No. It, it, you I mean, know, you were down by one point on two of the three judges' scorecards. It's crazy. And you know, the the interesting thing is in boxing is just like in football. It's, it's just a matter of inches. Mm-hmm. And in boxing, it's a matter of seconds. Mm-hmm. And literally, people might not believe this, but in a matter of seconds, you can have a couple of thoughts. Mm-hmm. And if those thoughts are thoughts that 
take your focus and attention away from the boom, 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 and I went down. It was like my focus was broken in that moment, and I was never able to recover mentally to get myself in a place not only to, to survive that round but to continue to fight. You know, When your dad stopped the fight, what was your immediate reaction? Um, that, that right there. When I when I, I was confused. When I saw him, when I saw him up on the ring, I, my thought was, uh, I was like, uh, you know, I didn't understand it. And um, I think I stood there for just a second, and my dad is mad. He waves me over, and the next thought was, shit, it's over. You know what I mean? And so. When when you when you prepare for this and you've had all, all, every, all of my preparations for after this have been put into place, but in the moment is what matters the most. And I was like, damn, this moment's done right now, you know. Right. So it definitely was like it was a little mind blowing in the moment. I mean, not only that, but like you said, you knew that this was going to be your last fight. Yeah. So I, I can't even fathom. I can't even imagine being in your position where you're going through that. You're basically right in the fight. I mean, yeah. you're a round or two from winning. You know this, and then you go down once, and then you go down twice, and then like you said, okay, not in the right frame of mind now. And then your dad stops the fight, yeah. and it's like, wait a minute, I know I could have continued, and not only, well, there's no tomorrow because I've already made up my mind that there is no more. And I'll I tell can't you what, imagine being in your shoes. Th- this is the hard thought, the hardest thought that I've had recently is. What if my dad let the fight continue and I made it out of the round? I go back to this and I sit on the stool and he gathers me and gets me where I need to be. Not only to fight my my butt off, but to actually win. Mm -hmm. And I do know that my dad has that in him to get me where I need to be to, 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 you know, accomplish the mission, the goal. And that's been the hardest thought for me because it's like now I'm realizing that. I probably could have continued. I probably could have won. Mm-hmm. I probably could have changed some of the the um, the the things that I was doing and the styles that I was using to to again not only make it through the fight but to actually win the fight. That's been the the hard the hard thought for me. Have you did you struggle with that and wrestle with that? I mean, days later, even no. weeks later, no. Uh uh-uh, uh no. Okay. Nope. That thought okay. now has just came over me in the last in this last week. Okay. And I've I, you know you go through a multiple sure. of thoughts and, and emotions and all that kind of stuff. Actually, win, lose, or draw. Sometimes you you go through a number of emotions and in certain fights and situations. Um, but this one, they've been slow. And it's been more positive than anything. But right. last week was finally, I guess you finally yeah. come to reckon, you know, realize like, damn, I was close. And damn, if he didn't. And damn, if I did. <laughs> you right, know, all right, those thoughts. Right, you know? right. yeah, yeah. And the thing about it is we've seen fighters retire before at either advanced age where they don't have their faculties anymore. They don't have the skill set anymore. That is the farthest thing from you. I mean, again, you're fighting for... You know the world championship. I mean, every and again, it's in and you're not only there. You're you know one point behind when you go down, and you're in pristine shape. You have all your faculties <laughs> together. Yeah. You're, you're 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 you know still in your early 30s. Listen to this. I mean, it's 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 it's, it's crazy because my, my dad and I have been together from the beginning. Yeah. And when I turned pro, my dad said to me, he says, I don't want you doing this forever. If we have it the way we need it to, I want you to retire by the time you're 30. I don't want you taking punches, so many punches through the course of your career and your life that 
and when you're 50, 60 years old, there's something wrong. He said, we're out of this by the time we're 30. And we didn't know anything about the business. Right. And we didn't know that you end up fighting once a year. Right. And, you know, the list goes on from there. And so really, you know, when you think about it, the goal was 30. And I've basically been, been, been making goals since 30. And when's the time and who's it going to be mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. So we're four years past our goal, our initial plan, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I, in a lot of ways, I've far exceeded even my expectations mm-hmm. or the expectations of the family. Like you said, very little time to kind of process everything, and you really didn't have a chance to talk with your dad immediately because, again, next thing you know, uh, they stopped the fight. Uh, you're being interviewed. You got to go back to the to the locker room. Then you got to come and face, you know, all those guys in the media, and then yeah. a- answer all these questions. So you really, you know, didn't have that that time to to talk to your dad. Like, hey, why? What happened? And I know you. Yeah, I know the relationship that you guys have. I yeah. mean, you guys respect each other. Yeah. Um, but I got to ask you, when your dad was interviewed in the ring there, and you heard him say. That uh, I had to stop. They said, "Why'd you stop the fight?" And he said, and "I'm paraphrasing here." He goes, "Basically, I could uh, because of Sean's training." He was kind of alluding to that you were watching the clock during training. You didn't train like you normally do. When you heard that, what were your thoughts? You know what? In the moment, uh, something that my dad has learned too—that he did not really exercise his his intelligence in that moment. But we've always managed to. First of all, we've always managed to keep our personal life and our personal business out of the out of the the uh, professional business of the sport but even beyond that we both managed to understand that this is what you should say this is what you shouldn't say this is how you should express this so on and so forth I really do think that he was so he, he was caught up in the moment and and very uh, upset and, and and angry about the moment that I think the only thing he could do was defend himself. And I think that when, when he got up, when he threw the towel in, he felt like he had to defend himself for throwing in the towel opposed to defend the team. And this is why the fight had to be stopped, you know. So when he got up there and said everything, I, I knew where it was coming from. Uh, I, I know my dad better than anyone. So, you know, I, I said on, on my podcast, you know, hey, Barry Sanders' dad will, will, will look at him in his eyes and tell him he's not the best running back of all time. Mm-hmm. I said half the, the population in America will tell him he's the be- the greatest running back of all time, but his dad, who's the closest person to him, if not one of the, won't say it. I said, you have to understand that sometimes the dad and the father or the son, we have a relationship and an understanding that no one in the world will understand. Mm-hmm. Now, Barry's dad will say that to him, and Barry's dad and Barry will probably smile at him mm-hmm. and keep it pushing. In a situation like that, I had to smile and keep it pushing. You know, I understood where my dad was coming from. He, he, he was not satisfied with everything that I did in training, and it was because it was a lot of pushback. It was a lot of, okay, we've been here before. Yeah. We don't need to go. We don't need to do that. We've done it. We don't need to do that. We've done that, you know. And, you know, he, he got pushback in this camp for the very first time, and, you know, he didn't really appreciate that and okay. brought that to the ring. Thank you for opening up and being so yeah, honest. Uh, yeah. How did you feel you were for preparation for this fight, uh, knowing that yeah. this was the last time you were going to step in the squared circle? I, I looked at everyone else. I looked at uh, anyone who would listen to me and say, hey, we're, we're ready. I'm excited. This is the most excited I've ever been for a fight. In retrospect, probably because it was the biggest fight of my life and right. in respects to a lot of different things. Um, but I, I felt 100%. And, uh, you know, with that being said, I, I can't take any, anything away from Terrence Crawford. Right. He, he's the guy. Yeah. Great fight. Um, 
you gave a great uh, account of, of yourself, no doubt about that. And did did you feel that that um, that you were you had still had a shot to win that fight if you you did? You know what? So you know you got to analyze everything after the fight. After the two knockdowns, you know, if you're being realistic. Because now it's a 10-7 round. Now, now it's a 10-7 round. That's yeah. an ugly yeah. round right yeah. there. You know, um, I, I, my, my real, my, I, I did not want to draw. I did not want people to say, oh, you got to do it again. Yeah. I, I got cut in the second round. I, and my first thought was, oh, S-H-I-T. I need this to go two more rounds because if it gets stopped, everybody's going to want me to do everything I did prior to this again, and I don't want to do it again, you know. So um, I think if more than anything, I was glad that the fight finished right. and someone had their hand raised opposed to me fighting, giving a valiant effort, and it coming up to a draw, and people wanting more. You've known Terrence Crawford a long time. You've wanted this fight. Uh, now, once you got into the ring with him, was it what you expected? Uh, even though you guys had sparred way, way back when you guys were, were young. We have never been in the ring. Never have been in the ring. Never been in the ring. you guys knew each other. Okay. Just knew each other. And when we were younger, I'm 165 pounds. That's true. He's 132 that's, that's pounds. That's true. That's true. And ne- we never saw the day coming, and then it ended up happening. So what were but your thoughts? As that fight is, you get, you know, the fight starts, and you're going through the rounds, and, and you're winning rounds. Are you thinking like, man. You, you know, know what's crazy is. I didn't. I. It was so hard for me in my mind to feel like you know you won that round, you won that round, you won that round. He won that round. Okay. Excuse me. I felt like a lot of the rounds could have gone either way. Oh, no doubt. They're and close. hearing that uh, that I was up on two or three scorecards is uh, you know that that's that's pretty cool. Um, but more than anything, I was able to see the talent that the and why he's so talented. Um, a lot like Floyd Mayweather, and I'm not afraid to say this. A lot like Floyd Mayweather, he has a a consistent focus and a and a and a mindset that can basically cannot be broken. I, I go on record for saying this too. If I can't break it, then, <laughs> then I don't know who can. So uh, I, I I was not able to break him, and I have not seen that out of anyone in my in my life in the boxing ring, mm. amateur or pro, and that's what makes him. Uh, the number one guy in the welterweight division. I got it. Yeah. Showtime Sean Porter in the house. Uh, the recently retired Showtime Sean Porter uh, talking about his last fight against Terrence Crawford. Uh, a great battle just four weeks ago here in Vegas at the Mandalay Bay. All right. Now that you are officially retired, uh, <laughs> thing you don't miss as of right now. You can just fill out the blank. I'm glad I don't have to. Oh, probably what? swim. <laughs> I hated the swim workouts. Yeah. Um, that makes two of us. Yeah, my, I mean, and and it, you know, it's funny because the transition is. It, this is a true transition. Right. I've I've run on the treadmill. I've run on the. I've done bike work. I've done, you know, track work on the track. I've run bleachers and I've done everything that there that you could do as a fighter and it's like now like okay you're gonna delete probably half of that just because you don't need to do it anymore but there's some things you do need to do to keep yourself in shape to keep yourself physically uh you'll be going on bike rides like double b does his 25 mile bike rides he's gonna join me next week (laughs) it's like you know it's like okay so when that's the thing like when do you jump on the bike and do a real workout a bike workout you know what i mean so it's funny man um my son said today uh we going to the gym and I, I said, no. And he says, we're not. I said, no, we don't go to the gym anymore. I was like, uh, we'll probably go tomorrow, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Uh, what will you miss the most? Um, the, uh, the walk, 
the the yeah. night of oh 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 man yeah. i guarantee you that's why everybody comes back yeah no i it, you they come back for the money but they come back for that adrenaline rush that you pretty much can't duplicate yeah. it's hard to leave the limelight right yeah 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 and the interesting thing for me is that's that was my favorite part weird enough right. my favorite part was all of the fans in the stands the screaming um, wow. The booing, the yelling, yeah. I mean, everything. Yeah. You know, you hear some of the silliest things in, in a quiet moment You're in right. the boxing ring. <laughs> and then you, you, you hear voices that you recognize. You hear you hear the boos, the ahs, all of that. You know, you you, you get somebody's getting on you and you're like, oh, man, they're rooting for this guy. You're getting on them and like, yeah, you right. know, you, I'll miss all that. Yeah. And it's funny to hear the fighters say that because I say that all the time. They go, hey, you know, what sporting event do you like to go to the most, whether as a fan or you're covering? And for me, it's a world championship mm. boxing event because of the ring walk. Yeah. To see those fighters and in that moment when the crowd is on their feet and the music's pumping and everything, mm. and there is that anticipation. From a fan standpoint, to me, there's nothing like it. I can only imagine what it's like, you know, because with some fighters, they oh, might be a little bit nervous and, yeah. you know, when we, when we saw guys that fight Mike Tyson and, you know, when Michael Spinks and Bruce Seldon, those guys didn't even want to get in the ring, yeah. you know. Yeah. But then, you know, guys yeah. like you. I mean, like when, you, when you're looking at you say, man, why did you fight Errol Spence Jr.? I said, man, he was the guy on my list. But to get in the ring, I knew everybody was going to come see that. I knew it was going to be loud. And I knew I'd get everything that I wanted out of the moment. And the same thing with Terrence Crawford. Right. Makes Absolutely. it worth it. Showtime Sean Porter uh, in the house. Uh, the recently retired Showtime Sean Porter. <laughs> I guess it's gonna it's gonna get. Now that doesn't mean you know you're off the hook. Now you have to have more appearances coming on the show now. Yeah. You know, you know before it's like okay, I, I don't want to bug him because he's training, he's getting ready for a fight. There you know, go. there it is. Yeah, put uh, me on salary. There it is. <laughs> 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 All right, man. We want you to hang out for a little bit more. We're going to take a little uh, little pause and then come back and talk about your future endeavors. And then also, he is a diehard Cleveland Browns fan as well, too. So we're going to get some thoughts on the Browns and the Raiders. The game will be played. It will not be played tomorrow. It will be played Monday at 2 o'clock. So we'll get some thoughts on that. And, of course, it is a football Friday here at the Cosmopolitan Las Vegas T.C. Martin Show. This is Showtime Sean Porter. You know I'm tuning into the T.C. Martin Show. Is he tuning in to the TC Mark Show? He's here. Like he always is. One of our favorite guests, Showtime Sean Porter, the two time welterweight champion of the world, talking about his last fight of his career against Terrence Crawford four weeks ago, a highly contested battle. And if it wasn't for Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder three, we would say Crawford Porter was probably fight of the year. No. <laughs> no. Uh-uh, no. Uh, I still, I think that T.O. Lopez and uh, George Gambosis was. Uh, well, there you go. I think that that's that, right of the year. That was just a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Is, as well too. Yeah. All right. Showtime, Sean Porter, <laughs> in the house here. All right, man. Uh, you've got some other stuff uh, that's going on here. Hey, and I guess awesome. one more question regarding uh, the retirement. I know that, and you mentioned it. You know, you thought that you would probably have. You know, would not be fi- you'd fight more than once a year. Was it? You know, led to the retirement of maybe not being as active as you want to, the business side of boxing, or was it just, I know it really wasn't a lack of the desire, but I'll let you mm-hmm. speak on that. Family, mm-hmm. I mean, you're building a family, you've got you know, you know, two young kids now and everything. Uh, what, what, or was it all of the above or none of the above? No, you know what, that had no, that had no bearing on, on uh, you know, how I felt about uh, the way my, my, my career was going, anything like that at all. You know, uh, it, it's funny, you would think that I'd be looking at my watch like, man, this is taking too long. 
But it just, for me, it was a matter of I wanted to be in the biggest fights that, that, that could be made. And I felt like the mission, again, the mission was accomplished after those big fights were had. Um, you know, even when way back in 2016 when I fought Keith Thurman, that was the, the mindset back then. That back then it was, okay, it's starting. You know what I mean? Like the, the, your your legacy, it's starting now, and it started in 2016. You know, so, um, you know, I think that uh, it capped in 2021. All right. We've talked about this so many times before. You're, I was going to say you're one of the few, but you're really the only guy that was still fighting actively in world championship fights, but then you also have a dual career as a broadcaster because the broadcasting career has really taken off. I mean, you know, with Fox and, and you know, and you've done Showtime, NBC did the Olympics uh, and everything. Even, I mean, DAZN, right? Yeah, La- last week. Dizone, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. so the broadcasting, is this something now where you see yourself that you want to become full-time and even get more enthralled in it because i know before it was tough i mean you're training and then you're doing fights and you're you're kind of living that 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 double life there yeah, we were, is it broadcasting or is it something else that you wanted we do? were pretty selective with uh what how, how how much time i was spending doing the broadcasting mm-hmm. um more, more most of the broadcasting were there were weeks at a time mm-hmm. and uh we were selective uh when i had to be and when i had to train and things like that now that the boxing's done, I'm 100% going to do that. I'm going to try to get as much work as I can, get as much experience as I can, allow enough people to see me and hear my voice so that they want to see and hear me when they don't see me on the other platforms. Um, beyond that, uh, you know, everything that I'm going to do now, I can do until I'm gone. And that's not something that you can say about boxing, you know. So uh, I'm talking about acting. I'm talking about being a, a proactive advocate for the sport of boxing. Um, I'm, I'm going to hopefully do some things to change this sport, the way the sport, the business side of the sport is ran, the way that some of the athletes uh, compete in the sport, you know. Uh, I have a sports life coaching certification. So I can sit down and do that with other athletes and, and, uh, and entertainers, you know. So I am literally just going to enjoy life. I'm going to help. I told my dad when I said, man, I want to I want to make so much enough money boxing so that anything I do when I'm done fighting, I want to do it because I love it, right. not because it's the check. Right. And uh, everything I do after this is because I love it, not because right. of the check. I know you, you said you just got back from Washington, D.C., and you're involved yeah. in a film project, yeah, a movie yeah. project. Yeah, Talk a little yeah. bit about that. We got a uh, – I'm, I'm involved with the movie. I, I have the leading role of this. This movie is called Round One. Um, we're looking to get it funded right now, but basically it's about a boxer who is an Olympic hopeful, expected to win gold medal, expected to, to move on into the pro ranks and be everything that you can be as a professional fighter. He gets re- arrested as a teenager and sent to jail for 10 years. Someone else takes his place, does everything he's supposed to do, but he gets out of jail and everybody's like, oh, yeah, remember remember Vince? He's, he's not in jail anymore. You wouldn't be anywhere if he hadn't gone to jail. You know, and this guy is like, I, I can't. This guy, Vince, is, is still hanging over my head, and he's been gone for 10 years, you know. So um, there's there's that antagonist and the protagonist there where, where this guy who's done everything in the sports like, well, I still got to fight this guy and beat this guy. My, my, my career isn't done until I beat that guy, you know. And, right. you know, there's also, you know, the, the drama side of the movie as well. So it's a really well-written film. Um, I got people in Hollywood that have written it, that have read it, and they're like, uh, yeah, you need to go for this. And this is de- definitely going to start the, the, the uh, movie the movie career for me and you're finding out firsthand that uh 
uh, boxing in in the movie world yeah. is a little bit different than the real boxing, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. How difficult is that? Because you're you're not connecting with anybody in the ring, right? Yeah, you know why it was difficult uh, because it's it, it and and the camera really helps yeah. because you you wanna I told her, I said man I'm not I'm I'm cool with getting hit but then once we start you're, going you're I don't want to get hit yeah, yeah I don't want to get hit and so it's like you know I'm moving a little fast and 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 you know trying to get out of the way and things like that and it's like man I don't know how they simulate this stuff but then. Mm. Once you see what the camera captured, yeah. it, it, it makes everything look real. It makes everything look like it's legit. Mm. And uh, that was the number one premise of this movie is they wanted a a real boxer to, to play the lead role in this film. They wanted to make this movie as authentic as possible to mm. boxing. And, you know, I think they found the right guy. All right. Yeah. In the four weeks since you've officially retired, how many people have said to you, you know, boxers really don't retire, Sean. You know. Oh, I hear that you, from you, everybody. Uh, right? Exactly. What's I, your What's your response? Are you I, I Are you gonna the, come back, Sean? Yeah, I went to the barbershop uh, <laughs> last night, the night before, and the guy says, "Are you enjoying your first retirement?" Oh, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> and until so when I caught it, I laughed. Yeah. It's like, what are you talking about? You know, um, I'm done. I don't want to do it anymore, you know, and and I can smile and, and be satisfied with everything that I've done and the fact that I know that there's just so much more that I can do and that I want to do that, uh, you know, I got no worries in life, man. You got it. Yeah. Well, always appreciate you, man. And like I said, this is uh, just a I'm about a to find out if being, if being a champion is what got me up here at this table so, <laughs> so many times. That's what no, I'm about you'll to You'll be here out. all the time. No, not even close, man. <laughs> I think you know me better than that. So uh, I have always appreciated you as, as a fighter, but more importantly, just as a friend. And, uh, yeah, man. you know, much, much love, man. And, uh, and I, I'm happy for you because, like I said, you, we man. all have known boxers and athletes yeah. that um, – you know, have suffered from CTE and just they, they're a shell of themselves. Mm-hmm. And and uh, that's not the case with you. You have all your faculties. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're very intelligent. You're very smart. Thank you have you. a future uh, doing whatever you want. So just much props to you, my man. I have a future in singing. Well, I'm not going to sing right now, but happy birthday, my man. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. happy, happy birthday tomorrow, TC. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you, man. You got it. Uh, Browns. Are, they, are, are you guys making the playoffs? No. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Brian, can you believe that we've heard this yeah, from him? He's man. usually he's the eternal optimist. He is, but I said at the same time last week with the Raiders, and I got booed here when I said they're done. <laughs> you did. <laughs> I got, someone asked me to come on the radio and talk Browns Ra- Raiders on Monday. I said I can't do it because I know me. I'm too invested yep. emotionally. And I'm going to pour it out, and I'm going to make myself look bad. I'm not going to do that. So, I'm not, I don't even want to talk Browns right now. Okay, that's cool. I I, I don't even want to talk. I, nope, not doing it. That's it. He's, he's, <laughs> dro- he's dropping the mic. Yeah. This is the first because he loves talking Browns. I think this – okay, so I'm getting I, – I'm fine with the year not going the way that, it, that right. I expected it to go. Okay. But when I see the holes, and I, I'm not a I'm not a, a um, expert, but when I feel like I see holes that could be mm. improved and fixed with no problem and you don't make those moves, those changes, yeah. now it's all on you, you know? Mm. I'm getting upset. Oh, okay. <laughs> Browns Raiders. Who wins? You know what? This is a toss-up game. I mean, um, forget even even let's let's take C19 out of the picture. I still think it's a toss-up game. Raiders started hot. It's most and, must and, win for both teams and cooled too. Cooled off, yeah. And Browns, they still could get in the playoffs with a win. I know that they can. I know that they can, but they won't. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing it this year. That is the ultimate it. disappointment. I'm so bad this year. <laughs> I never heard him say this about the Cavaliers. You know? <laughs> 
All right, brother. I appreciate you as always, man. It's going to be a good game. All right. All right. Showtime Sean Porter in the house. Two-time welterweight champ. Much love, brother. Love you, man. Thank I'll you. see you guys Thank later. You. Sean, what, what again was the name of that movie that, that you're on? The name of the movie is Round, Round One. Round One. Yes, sir. We just filmed a teaser. I'll make sure that, that TC gets the teaser. You'll see it, of course, BB. Mm-hmm. And um, we're going to look to get that teaser out to Lionsgate, Netflix, Prime Video. I mean, all across the board. Hopefully somebody's going to um, fund this bad boy, and you'll see me on the big screen soon. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, I yeah, like, I like it, it too. You know, boxing movies done pretty well, historically. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right? yeah. All right. Uh, Can't beat that. Don't, don't be a stranger, you know. We're going to come back here and have some food. Hey, whenever you call. And, and Double B says you're going to get on the ice skates too. And, and he mentioned the barber shop, but he hasn't been to this barber That's shop. That's true. You have well, no you can to this barbershop. You shop. go to this barbershop and you can sing. All right. That's all true. Right, all right. <laughs> That's all right. it. All right. We got some dates then, huh? There you go, brother. <laughs> Let's go for it. Thanks. Later. Here is Showtime. Sean Porter in the house. All right. You got to love it. All right, Double B. We've got uh, plenty to talk about. We've got football to talk about. We've got bowl games. Our best bets coming up next hour. And, again, appreciate my guy, Showtime Sean Porter, for joining us today. We always talk about Sean. Class act. The best. The best. The best thing that I, I've heard is that he's uh, he's walking away from the sport. He took on everybody that he could in the division. And and why hang around and, and uh, you know either have your skills deteriorate or have your uh, your your faculties fall apart. And uh, uh, we've seen it so many times, uh, not only with boxers but with uh, football players and, and and athletes that have just hang hung around too long. And uh, I think this is going to stick. I don't think it'll be his first retirement. I don't think it's going to be his his farewell tour. I don't think it's going to be the 17th uh, Eagles. Farewell tour type right. of thing. So uh, <laughs> uh, I think this was uh, a, a brilliant move by Sean, and he's positioned himself to be there. He's gotten involved uh, in broadcasting and and, 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 uh, and other things. So uh, uh, excited for his next chapter. Yeah, absolutely correct. And again, you know, for a guy like him who is basically walking out at at, at its peak, you know, and you know Manny Pacquiao, you could say that too. But Manny obviously has 10 years on Sean as far as age and and probably. 50 fights on Sean as well too and a lot of people are saying man are you sure you want to you want to walk away but he's got other endeavors but with Sean like I said it's it's uh, for a lot of people they're they were shocked that he said hey I'm I'm done and knew this was going to be it uh, for him as well too because like I said he's he could still fight at a very very high level but it's great because again knowing him as well as we know him and and, and the friendship it's great to see a person now just not have to take any more punches and now can live his life the way he wants to live, you know, with his family and do the things that he uh, wants to do professionally as well, too. So I'm with you. I think it's it's beautiful to see that. It puts a smile on my face. I was very sad that night uh, because of the way the fight went down. But then afterwards, I walked out of that press conference going like, I'm happy for him. And then now, you know, being with him today, I feel the exact same way. Yeah, it's great to see. I mean, it's just been a short four weeks. But you could see the excitement in his face. Uh, and, and the, you know, he still has time for everybody. During the, the break, a few people came up and wanted to take, shake his hand and uh, take a picture with him. And he's happy to do that because uh, uh, they admire him as, of what he's done in his career and look forward to seeing what he does in the future. All right. Uh, we mentioned the, the ice rink here at the Cosmopolitan. It is that time of year again. And we've got tickets or passes to give away for that uh anyone here in the cosmopolitan you can come over here sign up we're gonna have a drawing at the end and all of our listeners out there real simple just hit me on twitter at tc martin 21 uh follow retweet 
and then give us your best bet for the weekend. Give us your best bet, and then we'll have a drawing for that as well, too. So we've got tickets we'll be giving away for the next week or so uh, here at the Cosmopolitan in Las Vegas. The ice rink, it is fantastic. Double B, you know how I feel about it. I, I love going up there at least once or twice uh, you know, during the four or five week span that you guys have it open. And uh, I love my hot chocolate. I'm not a big ice skater, but I just like hanging out. The vibe is fantastic. And uh, I know you love getting up there. You've been on the rink a couple times already, but just a great experience. And you guys do a fantastic job here up on the fourth floor. Outdoors, the ice rink is just one of a kind. Yeah, it's it's it really is. It's it's a special thing for us. It's our 10th year doing it. Uh, we even did it last year, very controlled yeah. during the, uh, the peak of COVID. But this year, uh, we've added some new things up there uh, with the uh, the chalet and all that fun stuff. And, uh, you know, to skate around at night or even during the day, and you're kind of going up right down the Las Vegas Boulevard, it's pretty cool. <laughs> we do fun things like movies on Monday and Tuesday night, which is good for the families. And uh, we got a Vegas Golden Knights night coming up here soon. So, uh very exciting. We're going to be there till January 2nd. Uh, then, of course, we've got to start getting ready for pool season. That comes at us very quickly here in Las Vegas. <laughs> so we got to get the deck ready and all that. But uh, it is a special thing for us here at the Cosmopolitan, and uh, uh, we enjoy it up there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, great venue, so get there. And, again, if you want to win tickets, uh, hit, hit me on Twitter, TCMartin21. And, again, uh, uh, follow, retweet. And uh, give us your best bet, who you, who you like on, on Sunday. You don't have to win to get the tickets. You don't have to win. Or if you're here today, come on by the sports book. We've got people already signed up here. We'll have a drawing uh, at the end of the show here today. TC, can you believe there's already a bowl game in the books? Yeah, I know, right? In the books? Now, did yeah. David, I think he's going to pick that one right now, David yeah. Nori. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My man. That's good. That's good. That's good. And usually at this time, we're getting ready to go to the Las Vegas Bowl. Yes. But, but that's now pushed back, you know, to a couple weeks. Uh, again, uh, the Big Ten, the Pac-12, and uh, the SEC coming next year, Allegiant Stadium. Can hardly wait for that. So uh, I'm so glad that, you know, because the Las Vegas Bowl really kicked off the bowl season. Now the Las Vegas Bowl, and we had Johnson Sendy here last week, the executive director. We talked about how this is so fantastic that now it's on December 30th, you know, especially with New Year's Eve and everything that goes on New Year's Day here in Las Vegas. Uh, we're two weeks away from that. I can't wait for the Las Vegas Bowl. In fact, we need to move the show to here on the Las Vegas Bowl that day. Done. For That's that's a Thursday, correct? Done. Correct. Because it the is. next, the the next big, day yeah. we'll be at the Knights game, yeah. and then, of course, all the New Year's stuff will be a little bit yeah. messy to get here. Mm-hmm. So let's do that, and we'll go straight to the game. Go straight well, to maybe, the game. You know what? We'll, we'll do a little pregame at click first. Oh, then we'll go to this. the game. Music, music to my ears. <laughs> music to my ears. Fantastic. Okay, speaking of the Golden Knights, uh, 5-2 a victory over... Uh, New Jersey last night, five, the Devils. 5-3. Five, five, three, three. I'm five, sorry. 5-3. Three. Uh, they, they made it 5-4, but the yep. goal was disallowed. Uh, yep. Really testy game at the end there. Yep. Some uh, some uh, uh, rough stuff mm-hmm. at the end. And even uh, our, our goalie. I wouldn't want to mess with our goalie, by the way. <laughs> he takes that mask off, and his hair's every which way, yeah, and he's yeah. got the tats. He's 6'6", six, six, and he's 270. Yeah. yeah, don't mess with him. Robin Leonard's kind of large. Yeah, he's a big man, but I'll tell you, they, they must have done something to aggravate him because he was he was a little hot and bothered. Yeah. It must be weird for Broussard to go in the game for 15 seconds. Right. Too, right? I mean, <laughs> uh, but it was it was a nice game. They, they didn't play great for 60 minutes. Yeah. Uh, the Devils gave were, up a goal in the first minute, minute and a well, half. The right? Devils were a yeah. team that was desperate. I mean, right. they just been embarrassed on their home ice by by Philadelphia uh, yeah. a few nights before, and so you know they come out real strong, and you have to withstand that first push, and we didn't. Uh, it was nice to see uh, Dylan Coglin get on the board, and some of the, and yeah. Carrier, and some of the other little more uh, unsung. Uh, players on the team. Uh, it wasn't all Pacioretty and Stone and and uh, the Chandler Stevenson line doing it, although they did look very, rather good. 
The team is gutty. They're 18 wins now. That's yeah. the best in the division. Right. Can you believe that? Can you believe we're saying that with what we saw earlier in the year? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and three wins in a row right now and playing some good hockey. Well, I mean, they're relatively only, healthy. Relatively healthy. You still got Nolan Patrick out and you still yeah. got uh, Martinez out, Alec Martinez. But they are relatively healthy. They play back to back. So I think mm-hmm. tonight. Am I, am I right? They play tonight in in New York. Right. So they got to go the garden, a yeah. long trip from uh, Newark to Madison Square Garden <laughs> there, uh, which I've done that trip a couple I, of times. I know. I was gonna say, aren't you aren't you glad that uh, you're here now and instead of going because you wouldn't want to go see the Devils uh, this year, you know? You wouldn't want to go back to that arena. Well, you know what? I, I have checked that off. It was a great arena. Yeah. By the way, it really is. They did a great job in Newark in that arena. The product isn't overly great this year. Yeah. Uh, but I, I would go back if they got better. But I want to see all the arenas. Right. You know so. Can't wait to get back on the road. It's a little tricky right now. I do enough traveling as it is. Exactly. Uh, yeah. But uh, it's 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 yeah. it's a great trip. It really is to see the New York teams in, in action, and uh, the Knights are, are playing well. Two straight road wins, and hopefully uh, parlay that to another one tonight. Great now, remember, this is their first game against Gallant. That's true. And Ryan Reeves on the other side, yes. so that'll be an interesting true. thing. Yes. Uh, Truba's been smacking people around, too, so I think Truba might uh, – I'd like to see him go into it with McNabb a little bit. That'd be yeah. kind of fun. The Turk on the other side with the Rangers. Yeah, the t- Turk. Away. Turk is – I mean, he, he's such a – he's like an icon here in yeah. Las Vegas for what he did that first year. Oh, I, uh, I, I love very beloved coach, very beloved coach, and, uh, um, you know, didn't work out overly, you know, 100% for him, but it happens with coaches in the the NHL. You know it. Look what just happened this morning. You saw it. I was just going to say, I was going to have you comment on the Winnipeg Jets losing their coach after nine seasons. So, uh, you know, Trevor, my buddy Trevor, can't stand Paul Maurice. Can't stand him. Trevor, the the minor league referee. Yes, he came out with some choice words for him today, (laughs) and I was like, hey, you know, let's let's back off a little bit. He had a pretty good nine seasons. He's seventh all-time. And and NHL wins as a coach. He's only 54, yeah. right? He's, he's he's basically our age, my age. You're a little older. <laughs> Thanks. <Appreciate laughs> Tomorrow that. even older. Had to say that. <laughs> but uh, I like Paul Maurice. Uh, the team has underachieved a little bit. Uh, most recently, they looked horrific at home against Buffalo. Uh, lost four to two. Really a lackluster effort. Uh, they've shored up their defense and they've got just the best offensive punches you might have in the league and uh you know it maybe it's time for a change is what it just came down to after nine years uh paul maurice said he acknowledged that he's not the guy to lead these guys any further they, they, they've they've peaked with what he's got and uh you know maybe they'll get somebody new that could do that right now it's interesting because dave lowry has taken over as the interim coach and his son adam is on the team right. so that's that's pretty pretty cool thing there um they're, they're, they're only 13-10. and 10. I expected a little more out of them at this point. They're up and down. Uh, their goaltending is just a, a little shakier than it normally is. Uh, but with the stuff that they've improved on defense, um, you know, you got to show up every day. And, and they certainly didn't against a, a Buffalo team that's really struggled this year. As Double B with your Winnipeg Jets update. Our, our, so our fans in Canada, they, they, they love that. They're hearing that right now. But They the, do. But the goal, Golden Knights playing the Rangers tonight at MSG. And uh, that will uh, face off uh, when we're done at 4 o'clock. Uh, the Rangers, pretty impressive. I mean, you know, 19-7-3. and three, um, They're playing uh, some, some pretty good hockey. And like we said, uh, Gerard Gallant. So it'll be uh, interesting to see the Knights on the road. So we look forward to that. All right, when we come back, we have got uh, football to talk about. We'll get you updated again. Uh, the breaking news that uh, we led the show off with, the NFL's rescheduled three games, including the Raiders and the Browns. That game was scheduled for tomorrow at 1.30 and has now been moved to 2 o'clock Monday afternoon. Also, the NFL moved the Seattle Seahawks and the L.A. Rams into Washington and Philadelphia 
they will play on Tuesday. Same type of weird thing. You're going to have one afternoon game and one evening game. And I know that, uh, you know, no one likes moving games. But uh, like you mentioned, Double B, you don't like uh, the alternate of, uh, of having to, to do a forfeit, which the, the NFL talked about in the summertime that they're going to do this. But Tuesday football just doesn't sit right. We know that NFL coaches and players do not like playing on Thursday. You don't like playing two games in a matter of five days. And uh, now you're going to get into the, that situation with four teams having to play on Tuesday. And then, you know, you look at, uh, you know, the Raiders in Cleveland, and we already have a Monday night football game. So basically you've got eight teams that are going to be playing on, on short rest. And it towards the end of the season here where, you know, people aren't teams aren't healthy to begin with just injury-wise, but then with COVID on top of this. And Sean added a great point, 17 games. Yep. You know, they got to play another game. So yep. this is this is difficult on them. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they do something drastic. All right. You know, and come, come next week, maybe give everybody a bye and, uh, you know, and extend on. And extend the season? <laughs> no. Well, you could eliminate that one gap week, right? Believe me. I, I, you know, I'm sure it's been being discussed. It's, exactly. All yeah. right. When we come back on the other side of the hour, Moreland Greenwood is going to join us, the former NFL linebacker. He played in the league for nine years. Love visiting with him. Also the director of the NFL alumni here in the Las Vegas chapter. He's in the house. And then also Marco D'Angelo will join us for best bets. Trevor Manich will join us via the phone. We'll give you the best bets. And, yes, three college plays, the early bowl games. We'll give you that and three NFL plays and our best bets coming up this week. T.C. Martin, Double B, Brian Benowitz, Showtime Sean Porter here today at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Back on the other side right here. It is the T.C. Martin Show on a fabulous Friday. Smith will keep it. He dies for the end zone. He's got a touchdown. Kansas City in one of the greatest comebacks in Chiefs Kingdom history. It's time. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Car out of the shotgun. Looks left. Throws a lob for Michael Crowtree. Caught it. He caught it. He caught it. The Raiders have the lead. 35 34. It's the TC Martin Show. Sweet revenge for Michael Crabtree. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, TC Martin. I needed that. Starting to feel like football now. Hey, that was a good start. Hey, that was a good start. We're going to finish for you, all right? The doctor is now in. Hour number two here on this Friday. T.C. Martin, Double B, Brian Benowitz in the house at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas, our Friday home, as uh, we get ready for another wild, crazy NFL weekend. It's wild and crazy, not just from the competition standpoint in the games, but games being moved around. We will dive into uh, that. Our best bet segment coming this hour as well, too. And a shout-out again, and thanks to Showtime Sean Porter for joining us in hour number one. That interview will be up on the website a little bit later on at tcmartinshow.com, as will all of the best bets. And, again, glad to have you with us here on this Friday. This is our Friday home, as everyone knows, 2 to 4 p.m. each and every Friday. And, of course, you can enjoy the show wherever you're at, Monday through Friday from 2 to 4 p.m. Uh, each and every weekday right here. And uh, find it at tcmartinshow.com. Double B. 
got his uh, Michigan maize and blue on today, uh, ready for a little college football playoff. That's very nice. And uh, our next guest uh, steps in. He's been with us before. Uh, the pride of Syracuse and also the pride of Kingston, Jamaica. Oh. The former NFL <laughs> linebacker, Moreland Greenwood, played with uh, the Dolphins, was drafted by the Dolphins back in the day, played with the Houston Texans as well, and also a former Raider as well. Moreland Greenwood, what is up, my man? Oh, man, I'm just happy to be here. I'm, I'm uh, definitely thankful for the opportunity and each and every day when you can uh, try to expand and do more and do better. And the next day, the day that you hear is just definitely a positive one you know because they have a chance so good to see you brother good to see you man good, <laughs> good to see you guys. now i know when i when i was telling about double b's uh, you know michigan shirt there I and mean, you you kind of gave that like a little uh, snow <laughs> you know right i mean okay where, where's your orange man no well well you know when you said michigan i was thinking about times we played michigan and syracuse yeah uh that year we played tennessee and then the first game, we actually lost to Tennessee with a field goal. We should have won the game. That was the year Tennessee ended up winning the national championship. So we were like pretty down. We had Donovan McNabb with his senior year. And we, on top of the loss, we had a hurricane that came through. <laughs> and it wiped out all the electricity. So we couldn't we couldn't even practice over by the practice facility. Everybody had to migrate into the, into the uh, carrier dome because yeah. we had the generators up there. So imagine after a uh, disappointing loss. Um, a game we should have won, uh, then having to go through that with, with the hurricane and all the other stuff happened up in Syracuse. You know, who would have think there would be a hurricane up in Syracuse? And, and when you're telling me the story, I'm sitting there going, okay, wait a minute, is he talking about an away game? <laughs> no. He's talking about Syracuse. It was like a little like mini hurricane, but it was strong enough where it did some yeah. damage. It wasn't like a, you know, so, so it it definitely affected us. It definitely affected the power. But one of the things, Coach P. He was, uh, you know, took the leadership and made sure that he kept us focused because he said, listen, we're going on the road and we're going to play Michigan in the big house. <laughs> and, uh, and you had a good I've day never played day. there before. Yeah. yeah. I actually never never played there before. And um, I, I was uh, definitely taking it serious, but I was still trying to block out all the distractions that we were going through with, you know, the elements. And, you know, we played, we practiced hard and went to Michigan and uh, we won. And the reason why it was a good game for us because Michigan was never up because we didn't want to get the crowd involved, yeah. you know, because, you know, once the crowd gets involved, it becomes more difficult, you know, <laughs> becomes more, you know, it becomes a lot more difficult. And so it, it, it was a it was a quiet game. You could have heard a, a, a pin drop in there and, uh, you know, we just came out and executed. So. That was good in my experience, and you know, obviously Tom Brady was on the team, right? And I had a sack there, and uh, <laughs> uh, that's probably the only time I sacked Tom Brady because it never happened in the NFL. He just has such a but uh, but you know, I always always remember that. You know, uh, when people talk about Michigan, I think about all those different things that you're going through. Great memories, at right? Time. Yeah, great memories. What was it like playing in the Carrier Dome? Because we always hear the stories about how difficult it is for basketball opponents to go up there and play in the Carrier Dome. And I know back when you played, I mean, you guys would sell out that Carrier Dome. Like you said, you had yourself, yeah. you had Donovan McNabb, and, and and you know, honestly, the the Orange really they have they haven't probably been they haven't been good probably since you left Moreland. <laughs> I'm telling you. But what's it like playing? Did you enjoy that or not? I definitely enjoy that, um, and I didn't realize how loud it was until I actually 
started playing in another stadium then and started really thinking about that because actually when you played when you play in the game of football you don't really focus on the fans or people watching you because you have to focus on what's in front of you because the <laughs> next thing you know you're going against Edwin James you know the guy in Miami and uh, um, I think uh, Jeremy Shockey all those all those top players that end up um, playing in the NFL Michael Vick you know where he was at Virginia Tech you know right. the, those different opponents so you you don't really focus on the actual noise because you have to focus on what you focus on but but you do hear it, and you do know how loud it is. And when you go to other places, you realize that the Caridome is, is very loud, and it's not really that much. It's a lot of people, but it's about 60,000 people, 55,000 people, right? right. Um, and you would think that, all right, the more people, the louder it would be. But it's because of the structure of the Caridome that when people start getting loud, it echoes off the, the ceiling and come back down, and that place just erupts when we having big games there. I remember one year we beat Virginia Tech with uh, like five seconds left. Um, Donovan Manab rolled out. There was no time left on the clock and he uh, threw the ball to Steven Brominski in the end zone. And man, when you talk, and that one, I could hear the eruption because I was on defense, right? <laughs> I was on the sideline just, and then when the whole place erupted, it was just absolutely amazing and the people jumped over on the field and just stormed the field. It, it was something you would always see on, on TV and other teams doing it, but when it actually happens in your own uh, uh, field and the stadium and everything, it's just remarkable and it's a great feeling because it was like we were we thought we lost the game. You know, man, I mean, I was still having hope, but um, statistic-wise, you'll be like, the game's over. You know, <laughs> there's no way. Five seconds left, no timeout. We're going to score the last touchdown and, 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 and <laughs> win yeah. the way they've been doing. And it happened. And actually, I want to make correction since, not since I left, but since Donovan McNabb left. You know, that's when we kind of, uh, we won three Big East championships with uh Hey, listen, you were the quarterback on the defensive side of the ball, man. Well, okay. we had a good defense. After yeah. I yeah. was like, I, I, I said, I wish we had Donovan for another couple more years because we had we had Dwight Freeney, Keith Bullock. That's uh, right. We, we had a good, strong defense, and we were gelling and everything. But, you know, when you're throwing, when you turn over the ball and yeah. an offense and getting touchdowns, they're scoring on an offense. It doesn't give you a chance of the defense, you know, but uh, but but it was great. You know, Double B, he's bringing back some memories, and we we don't really talk about Syracuse football. That was when the Big East was yeah. was really strong. I mean, all those guys in those teams, you know, the, those were powerhouse teams. The Miami, the Virginia Tech, and Syracuse, you know, back in the day. That's a, you know, it's too bad that the Big East had to to go the way that they did. Because th- those are some great days. Those are those are some fantastic days and great games to bet on and a lot of fun. Uh, you brought up some wonderful players. I remember distinctly when when Syracuse had a they they kind of railroaded Coach P out of there yeah. and uh, I I jumped as a gambler immediately to bet against Syracuse. No no offense. When <laughs> no, they got I... rid of Coach P, I said this is a bad mistake yeah. and they really never recovered from that. They didn't. They weren't satisfied going 10 and 2 and 9 and 3 against these great competition. They had to be in the national championship. Well, the national championship's hard right. to get to that to that elite level, and so uh, they went backwards. And and a lot of teams have made that same mistake. Tennessee made the same mistake when they got rid of Fulmer the first time. You know, I mean, they've just people think that it's it's easy to stay up there at that level. It is not. Yeah. And so uh, Syracuse back then was fantastic to watch. I'd love to see them get back there. They've had a few good years since, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. here and there, but nothing consistent. Nothing consistent like when. Coach P was there, and I'm glad you said that because uh, 
Um, Coach B, he just had that dimension uh, um, um, to it where he had those relationships with the different schools and recruiting. People don't understand how big recruiting is as far as having a, a good team. You know, you have to have good players. But you also have that relationship with the high school. Of course, the high school is going to, as soon as they have a good player, they're going to make sure that they go to Syracuse because they know that Coach B is going to take care of their, the kid make sure that he's got to get his education, make sure that he's, he's wor he works hard and make sure he has integrity and all those. But when Coach P left, you left with all those relationships and all the high school coaches and be like, I'm not going to send my kid there. I, they have no ties to Syracuse anymore. Mm -hmm. so, so then that hurts recruiting. And when that hurts recruiting, you have to actually go out with the new guys and try to go there and try to recruit and try to convince them again to send send uh, the, the players, the top players to Syracuse, like Don Vendarius, he was from New Jersey, he went up to Syracuse, you know, uh, to Bucky Jones, he was from Connecticut, Dwight Freeney was from uh, Connecticut, you know, all those guys, all those relationships and stuff kind of just went away, you know. Mm. Moreland Greenwood joins yeah, so us. So he has to rebuild it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Moreland Very Greenwood. difficult. Yeah. Easier said than done. Right. Yeah. Moreland Greenwood in the house joins us. Uh, talk about his days at Syracuse. Nine years in the NFL as well, too. And uh, we'll get into what Moreland's doing now here, too. He's uh, got his great foundation here, and uh, as well as he's the director of the NFL alumni here at the Las Vegas chapter. Um, the news this past week about Urban Meyer, who the Jacksonville Jaguars let go, and it always brings up Every time we see a college coach who does not succeed in the NFL, again, you played in both. You were at a very high-powered program at Syracuse at the collegiate level, and again, you played nine years in the NFL. What is it about the, the why the college coaches cannot be successful in leading NFL teams for the most part? Because yeah. it's not just Urban Meyer, but we can go back to uh, to Nick. Lou Holtz and Butch Davis and uh, you know Dennis Erickson, Nick Saban, Nick Saban, <laughs> exactly, and. I, to name a few. Yeah, and, and that's a great point that you bring up. I think it's all about the mentality of the coach and how he is willing to adapt to the different um, level as far as, far as player-wise, the, the mentality of the player. They have to understand the mentality in high school is like someone's trying to get a scholarship, get a scholarship. You, they, you, you tell them whatever you, whatever you want to do as a coach, they do it. College, similar, the same thing. Now, college... college players, they're going to start getting paid and stuff like that. They haven't really looked into what that structure is going to look like. But then you go into the professional, and now you have guys making millions of, that, millions of dollars. Now they're adults. They're men. They have their own responsibility there. And so the same type of uh, coaching, you, you cannot approach them with that same type of approach like you approach a college player because the mentality is now different. Mm -hmm. You know, so the, the good coaches know how to transition that uh, and how to deal with those players so that they can get the most out of them in that uh, in that level. And the one that don't is kind of like, I remember one, one of the players, I don't remember who, he was telling me that one time uh, Coach Saban was telling them to run sprints and he was like, yeah, we're not going to do that. <laughs> you know, like, in college, you run drink, you're going to run drink. Right, right, right. So that's, that's just a, a little example of what I'm talking about. No, yeah. and, and that's a great example. And I know that, you know, when you have that uh, player-coach relationship, when you're in college, I mean, you're, it's yes, sir, and you're calling him coach. 
when you get to the NFL, a lot of times you're calling your your head coach by his first yeah, name. Yeah, exactly. As well, it's, it's more of that professional, you know, landscape and, and that business relationship. But is it is it hard automatically for a a college coach when he takes over an NFL team because he he knows that you're going to get that backlash because maybe the NFL players, especially the veterans, say, "Hey, man, you're you're coming into our environment here." You know. You know, you have that, and and you also have the the coach that have a system that has worked for him, but it was working for him in a different level, like a different different college level, and they try to. Um, and place that into a whole nother a whole nother level like I mentioned the the age group and they and they don't adapt you, you have to be able to adapt you have to be able to change you have to be able to uh, do different things in order to, when you're in a different and knowing where you are in order to grow and sometimes when you don't do that that's in anything I'm talking about it doesn't have to be in just a uh, coaching or we, if you're not able to change like look at the world is changing you know uh, technology if you if you be like all right i'm gonna be the same go on the the same phone that i grew up with doing using that cord phone i'm not gonna use this this uh, iphone and the different technologies and stuff i'm gonna always you know it, it makes your life more easier because, but as long as you adapt to it and you learn so um i think that was that that's a big thing with the coaches if they learn how to adapt and they learn how to change as far as the mentality and know who they're dealing with and just it's not just my philosophy it works here in college just understand the the person that you're dealing with understand the type of age and some guys and not all the guys are like that and probably it's probably just a a few of them but if you have a few of them that are getting paid a lot of money once they start getting paid a lot of money there's not really much you can say to them unless they're the re- they're a real grounded uh, person and they understand and they're respectful and things like that and sometimes other players look at those guys as leaders those are the leaders on the team so if they act in a certain way they're not you're going to have division and one of the ways someone can be able to be successful is when what you say go whatever I tell you to do this is what everybody's going to do it and there's no question but once one once you have someone that's that's not totally agreeing with what the, the head coach is saying then that create division. You know, I don't agree with this. But then that create confusion in another person's mind. Ah, you know, what do you think about it? And then you're going around, so you have people on the borderline, you're not everybody that's totally bought into the system. So that's, you know, <laughs> that's the, I know that's, and that's what I've noticed. And then that's what I've, uh, I, I think the, the, the main problem is. And some coaches are able to uh, adjust and adapt, and they just grow and they become great coaches and uh, on every level. And some um, stay stuck in one, you know, in, in, in one level where they've been doing it so long in, in one way that, you know, they're stuck in their ways. <laughs> kind of like, you know. It seems to me like it's more like relating to the players these days. Um, the only coach that I could think of that really made the jump, and he went 1-15 in 15 his first year, was Jimmy Johnson. Right. Right. And, of course, they got some uh, windfall from some great draft picks that they did. Uh, and 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 got a QB that was a, a legend and a running back that was a legend and a and an offensive line that could you know run through the uh, and stayed healthy for for a decade. So uh, it's very difficult. I got to think it's more difficult today. Uh, back when you played, back when TC played, back when I played, the coaches 
it was. It was my way or the highway. Yeah. And you, you nodded and you did your thing. And even even when Jay Schrader was here last week, remember what he said? He yeah. said, Joe Gibbs told him, son, you don't do that again. Right. He raised the ball up one time and <laughs> yeah. he said, yes, coach. Yeah. And yeah. that was the end of it. You can't talk to kids like that now. They're yeah. just they're just different. Mm. Uh, the, 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 the technology and the, the, the millennial attitude, they got to learn and grow with them. And if they don't, they're never going to relate and they're never going to move forward. And now you start paying them their professionals. Urban Meyer looks like a total buffoon yeah this year he really he i don't know if there's i don't know if there's a college team that wants to go get him again now for 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 his antics from especially this last couple of weeks right well you when you look at urban meyer you always had that reputation of kind of being a narcissist you know it's like hey it's going to be my way or the highway and you know when he was at florida and then he re, you know, retired and then he came back went to ohio state then he retired again and then thought he was going to be done. He went to the broadcast uh, you know, studio for a while with Fox. And then here's, he's back with the Jacksonville Jaguars. It just never seemed like he was really fully committed like to any of those jobs. And the people that know him and have met him have said, you know, hey, this guy is just, he's, he's more about himself than anything else. And when you go to an organization like the Jacksonville Jaguars, which is a mess, and you're coming in as a college coach, not never being a head coach in the NFL, I think you are going to get that pushback from uh, the veterans. And again, we've heard the, the stories. I mean, you know, kicking Josh Lambeau, the, the, the kicker, while he's, you know, uh, you know, stretching and that sort of thing, arguing with a wide receiver. And I think it's like what you said, more. Oh, yeah? you know, there, there were some things where you're like, okay, well, no, we're not going to do that. Yeah. You know, I'm <laughs> yeah. not going to come in here, you know, I'm going to be a disciplinarian. A lot of the NFL guys, eh, no. And especially when you start losing the way the Jaguars, he lost that team probably six or seven weeks ago. Or maybe he even lost his team while they were still in training camp. They didn't respect him. It's yeah. just a it's just a very unusual situation. No. Did, did you ever have a situation? You like know, that? that's a great point that you bring up. Uh, you know, I didn't know much much about it. As, as you know, I'm doing the foundation stuff, mm-hmm. and I, but when I have time, I watch it. But I've played it, and so I understand it. So as long as I hear the proper uh, um, situation or scenario, I could be able to to um, add some input on it. Uh, one of the things that I want to say is what. Uh, what was said about millennials, right? And what Jay Sherry, you know, the mentality of the youth has changed, or, or people in general, you know, coming up with the way they think. You know, before it was uh, the, the, the the respect of the elders and 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 uh, following orders and those things like that. Now it's like, like I know everything, right? <laughs> I mean, but you have to still learn how to deal with them and how to get the best out of them from by the way they think. You have to meet them where they're at. That's how it is what we're doing with, you know, mentoring the youth and knowing what their situation is, how they're coming up, their environment that they're living in, to be able to uh, be able to understand where they're coming from and how we can help them. Um, do you, you're talking about, you know, I you, you say that he kicked the, the he kicked the punter. Kicker, I mean, the kicker, yeah. yeah. During warm-ups, he's like that's a grown man. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's a now, and that's we a, don't know to what that, level. Yeah. I mean, no one's really talking about is it. Is just like a little tap? Is he joking or do he actually kick him or what? I mean, you, you know, no one's really talking well, it about it. On how the, it depends yeah. on how the demeanor. And sometimes yeah. when it comes off on a, a, a video, it could look more than what it really is. And, exactly. And if they want to escalate something, so yeah. I would have to see that myself. 
felt, you know, how yeah. it looked yeah. to be able to. But uh, uh, but but you mentioned him. He was arguing with the with Marvin wide, Jones, his wide you know, the wide receiver, and then you know he even called out his coaches, and uh, you know the reports were saying that he called his coaches losers. He's you know questioning their resumes. Well, it's like, well, he's the one that hired him, right? <laughs> I mean, so, so, but there's just a lot of dysfunction there in Jacksonville. But you know, if you follow Urban Meyer's career, I mean, again, we go back to Florida where. You know, the, so, re- the reason why he left Florida that we heard was that, uh, you know, he, 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 you know, the Aaron Hernandez situation, he went and got a lot of players. I heard he was afraid of his players. Yeah. He, <laughs> That's he, what it came down yeah. to. No, so you said something interesting <laughs> yeah. that he called his players losers. Was that in front of the team? Yeah, yeah. Well, he called he called his assistant coaches losers. Is what so he was saying. So yeah. you can't do that. Yeah. You know because in, in now, you're, now, you, you know. now you're now um, you know you're you're discrediting the your team that you're working in, in that got to go and um, give out the plays to the different players and coach them and stuff. So you're making them look. You you don't have any belief in them. So how is the player going to have belief in your coaching staff that you yourself don't have to believe? You have to, no matter what you feel about the team, you have to cannot bring that um, state of doubt in. You know, you have to be able to maintain a positive mind frame. And, 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 and by doing that, you, you, you never talk down upon somebody that you're working with because you want to build that union. You want to build that strength. You want to make sure if you guys have a disagreement, you feel like... The, do it bit behind closed doors or you know call the individual by themselves that you're talking to don't don't ever do it amongst coaches because then you have that division within coaches right. you know uh you could do that discreetly and uh be able to um you know make sure that you correct the issue so it doesn't become they call it like a cancer you don't want that to spread and that's definitely um, what obviously probably some of the things that's happening. Yeah. Well, you know all about mentoring. Uh, Moreland Greenwood uh, has his foundation, the MG52, 52, his, mm-hmm. his number uh, w- when he played. Uh, also, you're dealing with the NFL alumni uh, here in Las Vegas. Uh, talk a little bit real quickly about the, the foundation and what you guys have been doing and, and what 2022 mm-hmm. is going to look like. Oh, yeah. So this year we... We, we were happy to do our camp again. We did at the Billy and Lily Heinrich uh, YMCA uh, over there at the, the Meadows Mall, close by the Meadows Mall. We we do a free football camp for the kids. We've been doing it since 2015 at in Freeport High School, my hometown. I started there because it was very important for me to start where everything started for me. Um, we started doing the camps here in 2017 here in Las Vegas. So each year we would do a camp. Uh, continue to do a camp back in my hometown do one here then we extended from a day camp to a three-day camp and now we're working to be able to put a a, a facility in place uh for the youth here in, in las vegas so we're working very hard on doing that so okay, I, I can't really wait until that happens so we can be able to provide all the wraparound services for the youth um in covid in 2020, because we couldn't do a camp, we extended up into North Las Vegas where we were doing the, the food food drives. Right. We, were, we were food giveaway. We were giving away like 40-pound boxes of food to, to different families. Uh, so for about a three-month period, on and off, sometimes we would go like two weeks, then we would take a week off, then we would go up there another two weeks, one week, take two weeks, you know. There, but it, it was for about a three-month period, so we gave away about 250,000 pounds of food. Uh, to families up there in, in North Las Vegas, and and this uh, uh, um, winter um, Christmas we want to do a toy giveaway up in that same area where we were where we were giving out the food just to let them know that we haven't uh, forgotten about mm-hmm. you. And one of the things is, is 
you know, we, we focus on the camp, but we, we feel like this is another way how to let the youth and let the community know that we care about you. And sometimes someone, all they're looking for is that to know that you care about us, mm -hmm. you know, and that will give them the drive to be able to to do or to elevate themselves, right? And going into 2022, um, we want to, we're thinking of doing a, a, a camp uh, during the Pro Bowl weekend mm -hmm. uh, from from uh, February 4th until the 6th. It hasn't been, uh, been solidified yet, but we're going to get the location okay. and everything and then transition into doing our camp over the summer like we normally do at the, uh, at the high school and 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 continue to do that and, and spreading the leadership and um, mentorship for the youth. And you know the NFL alumni guys, they always come and they always come and, uh, and be a source of inspiration for the youth. Uh, let them know about hard work, discipline, staying on the right track and doing the right thing. And the kids always leave in, um, inspired and uh, want to take on the world. That's why it's so important what we're doing about putting a facility, permanent facility in place to create that safe haven for the youth that they can go to mm -hmm. and, and, and be able to uh, get all the different mentorship and education that they need. Great, Sam. you got some great NFL alumni here in Las Vegas that are that are with you, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We have uh, Jay Schrader, uh, Leo Gray. Uh, we have uh, Roy Hart. Um, he played for the Raiders. <laughs> Leo Gray played for the Raiders as well. Uh, last night at, at the event, uh, Napoleon McCallum, he, he came through. Uh, uh, definitely blessed us with his presence. <laughs> yeah. know, he's well, a, he's pounding his chest after a Navy beat Army last week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we also, you know, we also have uh, Lyndon King that played, uh, uh, four, started four years for the Raiders. Yeah. Uh, Jackson Crisp, he played for the Jets. Um, uh, one of our big, big uh, members, and that's been with us since day one. That, that passed away, uh, uh, Floyd Little, Hall of Fame uh, yeah. running back. Uh, he went to Syracuse too. Oh yeah, <laughs> he, I used to see Floyd Little at the fights. Yeah, yeah. matter of fact, uh, we saw Floyd Little. He was here at the Cosmopolitan at the fights uh, going back two years ago. Yep. So, yeah. What a great guy. We have uh, yeah. Quentin Carter, Angel Battles. You know, we have uh, and the list goes on and yeah. on. And uh, so we we just have a great support of guys that just wanna be able to to also brandon marshall sh showed up uh last night las vegas uh, uh yeah. grew up here yeah yeah grew up here yeah. and um he, he liked what he saw and uh so that was good so we're just going to continue to get word out you know we weren't able to do any events before in in covid because we're a fairly new chapter we started in 2018 and then we had a shutdown in 2020 when the draft was here right you know we had all those all those events planned and trying to get more uh, awareness about that we're here we do have a chapter here then you know 2021 the, the city was opened up uh, in uh, june 1st when i did the event at Har harley davidson right. with the foundation and the alumni and then we had a super bowl of golf uh um and then and then then now we're here doing the socials now we're doing our, our second social we do that starbase which is down the street from uh uh, the rate of facility. So just want to get more awareness for that. You got it. Moreland mm -hmm. Greenwood, uh, tell the people with the website where they can go find out more information. They can go to uh, mg52.org. That's mg52.org. MG is for my abbreviation for my name, Marlon Greenwood, and my number was 52. It was 52 in uh, high school, college, and Miami. And when I went to Houston, 
uh, Kylie Wong had my, had uh, a number, right? <laughs> and he was going to give it up to me for fifty thousand. <laughs> right. Is that all? But I wasn't signed. I wasn't signed yet, so, so I was like, yeah. so I, number was so important to me. I said, it's not like I'm paying anything on it, but they haven't gave, given me anything. Right. So I said that would be part of the 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 uh, contract. And then he said, last minute, he said, ah, you know what? I had this number, and everybody know me here. So I went with fifty six because. In high school, I didn't know who Lawrence Taylor was because I, I didn't start playing football till 11th right. grade in high school. Right. And uh, my coach, I was back. you don't know who Lawrence Taylor is? He might be one of the greatest uh, uh, linebackers of all time. You need to, if you're going to play this sport, you need to know who he is. And I looked him up. I was like, this guy's good. So when I went there, I was like, I'm going a, I'm to a use uh, 56. So. That's good. Right. <laughs> he, was pretty, he was pretty good. He was, uh, that's, that's like a double B uh, with John Legend. You know, oh, yeah. He had to look up John Legend. He's pretty good. You know, he's pretty good. Pretty yeah. good singer. Yeah. <laughs> I, feel, I, I know John Legend. But some people I know there. All right. Morley, we appreciate you uh, hanging out with us today, man. Mm-hmm. You always got an open invitation here, man. Uh, great Thank seeing you. you. Great talking football with you. Thank you very much. I yeah, really right. appreciate it. Moreland Greenwood. And uh, check out the foundation, MG52, NFL alumni, very involved here in Las Vegas. And, uh, again, whether it's food drives, toy drives, especially the Christmas time, we're always thinking about that. Uh, go check it out, mg52.org. Appreciate you, man. Thank you very much. All right, when we come back, best bets. Now, more of your favorite personal sports physician. Don't make me beg. T.C. Martin. Of course, you are a character. Doesn't mean that you have character. The doctor is now in. It is time to rock and roll here with our best bets. T.C. Martin, Double B, and Marco D'Angelo in the house. And uh, don't forget, uh, you know that we're here each and every Friday. And then uh, Las Vegas Bowl, like Double B said, coming up on the 30th, we'll be here prior to the Las Vegas Bowl, serving as the pregame show before the Las Vegas Bowl. And that is going to be something else with Wisconsin against Arizona State. All right, so our best bets today, uh, we are going to give you our three best college bowl games that take place Starting tomorrow through Thursday, we'll give you three bowl games there. And then, of course, the NFL games. And, again, the breaking news that came out earlier today, we'll talk about that again. The NFL has rescheduled three games, including the Raiders and the Browns. That game moved from tomorrow to Monday. That kickoff now is at 2 p.m. And then the uh, Raider, or rather the Rams will be hosting the Seahawks. That game moved till Tuesday. And Washington and Philadelphia, that game moved to Tuesday obviously because of the big numbers of uh, COVID that are in those camps. Uh, Mark Davis uh, made a comment just a couple hours ago saying that moving this game till Tuesday really has given the Raiders a competitive disadvantage uh, because now this is going to give the Browns time to to get healthy. Is it Monday, right, Monday? Monday. Yes. I'm sorry, Monday, yes. I'm getting it all mixed up. Yeah, Raiders, Browns, (laughs) Monday, and uh, Seahawks, Rams, Tuesday. Washington, Philly, Tuesday. It's, How's that? It's very hard to keep track of. Oh, my of goodness. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Best bets. Let's rock. It's football Friday and time for the weekend's action. Here's the best bets. All right. Like I said, the three best college bowl games that are, will take place from tomorrow, Saturday, through Thursday. And let's get it started with our good friend for ESPN, Trevor Maddich. He was uh, all over these bowl games. What's going on, Trev? Hey, TC. I'm doing great, man. How are you? Well, fire us up, my friend. Let's go. Okay. The first one I've got is 
the RoofClaim.com Boca Raton Bowl. This is Western Kentucky against Appalachian State. And Appalachian State's laying three points. And I like that. I'll take Appalachian State and lay the points. The thing about this game is twofold. First of all, Western Kentucky can move the ball incredibly well through the air. Running the ball, not so well. They're a one-dimensional offense. The best passing attack in the nation, one of the worst rushing attacks in the nation. Appalachian State has a a solid defense that can take advantage of a one-dimensional offense. The Mountaineers' offense is more balanced as well. Now, I know they're out there without their leading receiver, Corey Sutton, but Malik Williams and Thomas Hennigan are really kind of like the same guy, and they'll be able to pick up that production that Sutton will be missing. And the weakness of Western Kentucky is the secondary. I think that Appalachian State has played tougher teams. They've done better against passing teams than Western Kentucky has done against teams that can run the ball well. And while they're balanced on offense, App State is really a running team. I think Appalachian State lay the three. Then, Oregon State versus Utah State. I've got under in this one, 67.5. Under 67.5. There's a lot of people that are taking the over on this one because they figure that Oregon State runs the ball so well and Utah State can't stop the run. Utah State throws the ball so well, and Oregon State can't stop the pass, right? Well, I think what will end up happening here is that in the second half, after Utah State has gone on a flurry of points in the first half, Oregon State will take over with the running game. It's the best rushing attack in the Pac-12, 15th nationally, and teams that can run have run well against Utah State. This Oregon State offensive line I believe will take over in the second half and slow this thing down. Also, while Utah State does run an up-tempo, fast offense, they're not very good in the red zone. They're only 66 in the nation in red zone scores per game. And so I will take the under 67.5. And then, where are we? <laughs> you tell I just us. got lost. Yeah, no, I just got lost. Okay, those two, come back to me in a minute for the third one, because I have three of them here for the third one, and I can't remember which one I said. So There you go. So, right. Come on back in a minute. Double B, give, oh, us no, three, give us your three best bowl games, Double B. TC, you know, I love this week with all these uh, obscure bowl games. Mm-hmm. One of my all-time favorites. Tomorrow there's games all day, which I, I really enjoy. I, I can't even believe that. It is. I think I, I saw one of your games. I'm going, did he pick this? There's something wrong because you have – Double B has a rule where he doesn't pick uh, any non-Power 5 conferences. It's it. That's a simple rule. Yeah. It's a simple rule. It's been good for me. Not so great this year, but yeah. it's been good for me for, for, for many years. Right. This year I, I, there, I had no choice. I had no choice because every game was somebody went against someone. So I went deep. All right. Let's uh, see what you got first i'm going to start 11:20 tomorrow morning i took fresno i laid the 11 points uh i think it just meant against boys uh utep is happy to be there they haven't won a bowl game since uh, 1967 sun bowl uh that's uh 54 years for those of you who are counting um they didn't beat a team with a winning record in fact their team's records this year that they beat were 23 and 60 they won seven games they're not a good team fresno's looking to win 10 again they're going to thump them. I like Fresno laying the number. Okay. Uh, next, I'm going to take a, a team that I thought was uh, should have maybe ended up in a better bowl, and, and sometimes you don't go with them, but I, I like BYU laying the number. I don't think UAB is a very good team. Uh, I think BYU, they keep in their, their 
They're keeping their coach. They're 5-0 and against the Pac-12. They also defeated Virginia. Uh, they're playing a UAB team that's just not really a, a team that's used to being there. Uh, the Cougars can score. They move the ball. Uh, they get average 33 points a game and 457. Uh, I like Hall. I like their uh, Algier, their running back who had uh, 20 touchdowns this year. So I think that they go in there, they go to uh, the Independence Bowl, and they win that game going away just on talent alone. So both of those picks are strictly talent there, TC. There you go. All right. The last one, it's a home home, home advantage. Uh-oh. The Raging Cajuns. Look at this. And the New Orleans Bowl. Uh, I like this team. They, you know, they, they've won 12 games this year after dropping their first game against Texas. They came in with lofty expectations. Uh, I think they're the only team in the country, uh, or the only team in recent history that lost their first game and then rattled off 12 in a row. So that's pretty strong. Um, they haven't committed a turnover in their last four games, TC. They, they protect the ball. Uh, they can run the ball. I, I like the team. They've got great defense. They're 11th in the country in scoring defense with only allowing 18 points a game. They create turnovers, 21 turnovers, four, and, and only eight that they've given up all year long. So I like this team. I don't think much of Marshall. Uh, they have a pretty good offense, but uh, I think that uh, you lay the short number at home with the Raging Cajuns. Great movie with Marshall. you got to admit that, right? We are Marshall. Great movie. You know what? We are Marshall. Yeah, we are Marshall. We are Marshall. That doesn't mean I'm going to pick them this year. There you go. <laughs> okay, Trevor, did you find your lost third pick there underneath your M&Ms there somewhere? I did find my lost pick. It was the Myrtle Beach Bowl, Old Dominion versus Tulsa. And long story short, this is played in, in Myrtle Beach, of course. Old Dominion's in Virginia, so... This is more of a home game for Old Dominion. They'll be motivated. They opted out of the entire season last year because of COVID. Old Dominion did. And this year they started one and six and then won five in a row to become bowl eligible. Tulsa is the better team, but Old Dominion is getting nine points. And the thing about Tulsa is that they tend to play down to their opponents. I mean, as underdogs this year, they were 4-0 against the number. As favorites, they were only 3-5. and five. They did really well against Cincinnati. They did really well against Ohio State. But then other teams that they should have smoked, they didn't. I think Old Dominion is going to stay within that number. Tulsa will win. Old Dominion will stay within that number. I was looking at the Armed Forces Bowl with Missouri and uh, Army. I was tempted to take the under on that one. I was looking at the Cure Bowl with Northern Illinois and Coastal. But I just don't trust Coastal, so I didn't want to jump on it. And so that's why I forgot which was the third ball. And the third ball was Old Dominion and Tulsa. Thank you very much, my friend. All right. Coastal is almost in the second quarter. So that's, exactly. That's not eligible. And, and you got to read, yeah. We're picking games tomorrow, Trevor, from tomorrow through Thursday. So there you go. Well, that's the second reason why. <laughs> I got halftime of the FCS playoffs game tonight, so my brain's a bit scrambled. I understand. There you go. All right, Marco D'Angelo, my man, he's been on fire. Listen, pay attention, pen ready, go. All right, uh, TC, you're going to see a recurring theme with my bowl selections. When you're doing these early games, it's about motivation. What teams want to be there? I'm going to start with Liberty in Eastern Michigan. Liberty finished the season losing three games in a row. But if you look at those three games, first of all, an AD that schedules an SEC team in November should be fired. Okay? Then they played after that game the toughest team in the conference, Louisiana Lafayette. And then to finish out the season, you had to have Army run the football down your throat 62 times. Three weeks off to prepare. They'll hit the reset button. They're going to come out smoking. In Eastern Michigan cannot stop the run. 
211, 265, 178, and 236 is what they've given up in the last four games. I've got Liberty, 38-24 for play number one. Play number two, I'm going against my good buddy here, Double B. I'm on UAB. Uh, this is one of those ones where how can BYU be excited? They're 10-2. and two. Their only two losses were to Boise State and Baylor, and then they got this ball, the Independence Ball. And that's because you have no conference affiliation. And you've got a coach that, you know, he might be still out trying to deposit that new check he got for that <laughs> big contract. I'm going to go with UAB. This is a team that just a few years ago was dead in the water. The program was gone. They're excited to be here. I'm going to go ahead and take UAB plus the points, minor upset, 27-24. And then the last one, this is the epitome of one team being motivated and the other one not. Central Florida plays Florida. How could Florida be excited to be in this bowl game? They backed into the bowl game by beating Florida State, their rival. Their coach got fired. They've got an interim coach. That's This is his last game. Uh, and they don't even get to leave the state to go to the ball for their bowl game. This is big brother versus little brother. I'm taking Central Florida. Uh, they get the job done. I've got Central Florida 34-30. All right. Uh, I will go in a sequential order. So we'll go uh, with the games uh, uh, tomorrow. i got one for tomorrow, and that's uh, what Trevor talked about, Utah State and Oregon State. However, I'm not on a total here, and I'm not on the Pac-12 sixth-place team. I'm on Utah State, the same Utah State team, the Mountain West Conference champions that I was on last week as an underdog when they blasted San Diego State. This team is used to be in the underdog role. They have been rolling. They feel they have a chip on their shoulder, just like I talked about a couple weeks ago. They crushed San Diego State 46-13. to They uh, beat their last five oppositions by this. 20, 22, 31, 25, and then 33 with San Diego State. Like I said, major chip on the shoulder. They're upset about being the Mountain West Conference champion and getting seven here as an underdog to a sixth-place Pac-12 team. Utah State's got a good quarterback and Logan Bonner's thrown for 3,500 yards, 36 touchdowns. And Oregon State, they're not going to have their best player on the defensive side of the ball. Linebacker Avery Roberts, he is out. And remember, this team lost to Cal, Colorado, and Washington State. I'll take Utah State plus the seven tomorrow. Tulsa and Old Dominion. Trevor, I'm on. I like Tulsa in this game here. I, I like uh, Tulsa minus nine for a lot of the reasons you said. They played the tougher schedule, the tougher competition. They lost to Cincinnati 28 to 20. They lost to Ohio State and Oklahoma State. Both of those games, all on the road, those were close games. They actually led Oklahoma State in the fourth quarter. They trailed Ohio State 27 to 20 in the fourth quarter at the Horseshoe. This team's won three in a row. They beat SMU. They beat Memphis. They're a good offensive team. And Old Dominion, uh, the toughest team that they faced, two of them. One, Marco talked about Liberty. The other, Western Kentucky, they got blasted by both of those teams. I'm going to lay nine with Tulsa, a good offensive football team. And then you're going to have to wait until Thursday. But I'm with Marco 100%. All about the Knights from Central Florida. Getting six and a half. Florida's a mess, just like you said, Marco. Interim coach and Greg Knox. Uh, new coaches coming in. Uh, your assistant coaches are looking for jobs right now. You're not sure which players are going to play in the game. Actually, quarterback Emory Jones, who's not very good as their quarterback, he's already in, uh, entered the transfer portal. Florida barely qualified for this bowl game. They had to beat Florida State uh, in that game. They uh, 
here, here are Florida's victories here in the last eight games. They beat Florida State, Samford. I didn't say Stanford. Okay, <laughs> B, uh, double B. Samford and Vandy. That's that's their only wins. I'm with Marco. UCF is fired up. They're ready to play. They are looking at Big Brother. They want to knock them off. They're eight and four. They're solid on on the offensive side of the ball. Good talent, and they have a tremendous will to win in this game. So there you go. All right, guys, let's roll real quickly to the NFL. Trevor, give it to us quick. Your three best NFL plays. Okay, uh, Washington is at the Eagles. They're getting nine and a half points. I like Philly and lay the points. A couple of reasons. One is that Washington has just got too many guys, over 20 guys in the COVID protocol, including both of their quarterbacks right now. And if they are able to uh, come out of the COVID protocol, they still will not have practice. If they can't, Garrett Gilbert, that they just signed off of the Patriots practice squad, will have to play quarterback. And then you've got all kinds of defensive guys that are either injured or in the protocol. And the Eagles have identified themselves. They've branded themselves offensively now as a running team to feature what Jalen Hurts, the quarterback, does best. I just don't see any way that Washington can keep up. So I say take the Eagles, lay the points. Then the Jets are at Miami. Miami's laying nine and a half points. Now, Miami's got some issues, too. I mean, they've got three running backs that are out. They've got their top wide receiver that's out. But the Jets are playing so poorly, I think that I'm comfortable laying the 9.5 with Miami. The Dolphins have gotten back to their defensive identity, which is an aggressive, blitzing defense. And the first time these guys played this year, Zach Wilson didn't play because he was hurt. And so Joe Flacco had to start. New York lost that game by 7 in New York. And so now they're at Miami. Wilson's there, but this defense is even more of a blitzing defense. I really think that Miami's offense, which has played better in recent weeks, will do okay, but I think their defense will create a whole bunch of short fields, and I think the winning streak of Miami will continue. And then Houston is at Jacksonville. The the total is 39.5, and I'd say go under that. That's a really low number. But these are really awful offenses. And Jacksonville will probably get a boost because they fired their coach. And if they think he's the evil Grinch of, of coaches, then I'm sure they'll come out and be and feel like they're free. But they're still bad. And Trevor Lawrence is still tied for the league league in interceptions. They were still shut out last week by Tennessee. And Houston with Davis Mills, the quarterback, I don't think they'll be a whole lot better. I mean, neither team is good. But when teams are bad, bad defenses tend to be bad offenses. I take the under 39.5. All right, Double B, give us your three best NFL. Uh, I'm going to start off with the Buffalo Bills. I'm going to do what I never do. I'm going to lay a giant number with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, I, I think that the Panthers have mailed it in. Their the season's over. Their season's over. They love it. They love the Chanticleers, and they love my pick. That's what it comes down to. I think they win this game by 30. I, I just don't think the Panthers care. And Buffalo's a very frustrated team, so they're going to come out and uh, pound them pretty good. I'm going to take the Titans. I, I, I Sorry about Pittsburgh, but I don't think much of them on either side of the ball right now. Uh, I'm getting a point. I think the Titans are just the better team, so I'm going to take the Titans in that game. Last thing, I'm going to go with the Ravens. Give me five and a half points, maybe six now. Are you going to give me the six at home? Sure, you can have the six. You give me the six at home? I'll take the six at home. The Packers... They're going, to, they're going to sleepwalk through this like they did the first half of that game last week and give me that six points. There it is. Bucket of chicken for the six. Fair trade. Go. There you go. <laughs> what do you got, Marco? Uh, I'm going to start it off tomorrow night. I'm going to take Indy minus two and a half against New England. New England's in a major sandwich spot. 
Mm-hmm. Buffalo and Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> They're coming off that game and had a week off, and that's the last thing you want whenever you're on a roll was to have that week off. Then I'm going to go to San Francisco. You know I don't like laying chalk, but this is one where I think Atlanta gets blown out. Atlanta has no offense. Matt Ryan is him and Ben Roethlisberger both need to ride off into the sunset together. I'm going to take San Francisco, lay it there. And then my last one, and man, I don't know why I keep going back to the well and Tom Brady doing me in, but I'm going to take the Saints plus the points. This is too many points uh, for Tampa Bay to be leave, uh, to be laying here. And here is an interesting stat on Sean Payton as a head coach. When he faces a team, since he's been head coach of the Saints, facing a team with a win percentage of 750 or better, so you're talking about the elite teams mm-hmm. of the NFL, 20 and 8 against the spread. Wow. Good note. I'm taking the New Orleans Saints. There it is. All right, Marco D'Angelo, wager talk. All right, Double B, I'm I'm with you. I'm with you on, on your first two games. Go, go, Buffalo. Uh, it's time for the Bills to kick it in gear. No better opponent to do that than against a banged-up Carolina team with no uh, Christian McCaffrey. And then, you know, I cannot see them being able to move the ball against a Buffalo D, which is still ranked number one, by the way. Carolina has lost their last three. Oh, coincidence? all with Cam Newton starting. You know? So uh, go figure that. And P.J. Walker has now had to come in relief. Uh, Matt Rule has said both guys are probably going to uh, play in this game. Uh, their situation at quarterback is, is a total mess. Yeah, look for Buffalo to take out some of this frustration in a must-win game. I don't know if they'll win by 30, but you know what they're going to do, Brian? They're going to cover. They're going to harm their soul. <laughs> oh, there you go. We're stealing one from Trevor Maddich. That's right. They're going to harm their soul. And I'm with the Titans uh, as well, too. Pittsburgh has played ugly football three of the last four games. They found themselves down by at least 17 points. They're in a five-game funk. They lost to Minnesota, Cincinnati, the Chargers. They tied Detroit, uh, as Marco well knows. Uh, they, <laughs> they did beat Baltimore two weeks ago, but they were lucky to survive that game. The defense is nowhere to be found. Ben Roethlisberger isn't very good right now. And Tennessee is in a position to win this division, and they will expose the Pittsburgh Steelers' D. Tennessee, consistent on both sides of the ball. They're fresher. They're more healthy. Go Tennessee. And uh, I'm taking the Rams against uh, the Seahawks. I know Colleen, the high handicapping queen, will you know, like to have my head for this one, but that's okay. I'll take the Rams. They looked great last week beating Arizona. I know they got COVID cases, but now this game being pushed to Tuesday should be okay. Their D finally came alive. Um, and then also Matt Stafford looked great with Cooper Cup as well. Two strong performances the last two weeks. And by the way, they've scored 95 points in the last three games, the Rams offense. So now they get another division opponent. They're playing uh, like they're in playoff mode. So I like the Rams here. And Seattle, kind of a lot like Pittsburgh in my opinion. Their season's over. Russell Wilson hasn't been real good, especially against good defenses. And that ugly stretch where they lost to you know, Green Bay and Arizona and Washington cannot be forgotten. Throw out last week's win against Houston. I think the Rams laying for a little bit of a gift there. So those are our plays. All right, we also got everyone's plays up on the website at tcmartinshow.com. You'll find Scott Spritzer's Matthew Holtz up there as well, too. They're all up there. Uh, we got the bowl games from tomorrow through Thursday, and then the three NFL uh, plays uh, now covering Saturday. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. I feel like we're in the Mac. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Trevor, we appreciate your brother. Be good, man. Thanks, guys. All right, there he is, Trevor Maddich, uh, ESPN. Trevor with the great college football uh, uh, um, 
situation that he does with ESPN on the TV side as well as the radio side as well, too. All right, guys, it's been a wild one. Uh, Marco, stay hot, baby. Thank that's you. all. That's all I got to say. All right. Double B's getting ready to get on a plane. Yep. Get so, on a plane. Mexico bound, my friend. Mexico bound for Christmas. So happy holidays and uh, uh, happy birthday again there, TC. Thank you. I appreciate it, brother. And uh, we'll have some fun here at the Cosmopolitan, no doubt about it. We invite everyone to come on down, get here to the sports book. It's going to be a great weekend. Enjoy the barbershop uh, down below for your entertainment over the weekend if you can get inside there. Great entertainment. Of course, the restaurant's fantastic. Everything is fantastic at the Cosmopolitan. And, of course, hit me on Twitter at TCMartin21. Remember, follow repeat and uh, give us your best bet we got ice skating passes to the cosmopolitan ice rink up on the fourth floor it is fantastic so appreciate you guys for joining me appreciate showtime sean porter for being in the house here today moreland greenwood as well numchuck back in the studio gilby the g-man here and double b enjoy we'll reconvene after christmas with you back here right back after christmas we're gonna do it on that thursday lost right before las, las vegas Bowl. that's Perfect. it all right marco we appreciate you no problem all right Take care. Have yourself a great football weekend. Stay safe and enjoy.